Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Open them with me to Acts chapter 5. We're going to be looking at that passage he just read. While you're finding your place, let me say that if you're not in the habit of coming on Sunday evenings, we are currently studying through the book of James. And we started that just a couple of weeks ago, and so you can jump in on that. Pastor Jason will be continuing that study this evening at 5 o'clock. And so what we are doing is just walking verse by verse through the book of James, seeing how it all fits together and how it all applies to our lives. So I think you'd be encouraged by that. Well, this morning we are looking at the remainder of Acts chapter 5. And then we're actually going to be taking three weeks off from our study in the book of Acts, and we'll do three standalone messages, and we'll come back to this towards the middle of July. Hard to believe we're talking about July already, but right around the corner. But I don't want us to miss our text. I don't want us to miss the message this morning, and so I believe there's some important truths that we can glean from this. How many of you have heard of the belief or the concept known as karma? Y'all have heard of that? Karma is prevalent in many Eastern religions, a lot of mystical religions, and karma basically says that whatever life you live is the life you're going to get back. To put it another way, if you are hateful to people and ugly to people and mean-spirited to people, that karma says that's how you're going to be treated. But on the other hand, if you are generous and you are giving and you are loving, that that's the kind of life you're going to give. And so, Those who ascribe to this belief system, this mindset, basically say, if I want to have a happy, stress-free, joyous, pain-free life, then what I need to do is to be that way to other people, and then karma will be sure that that's how I'm treated in return. The problem with that is it's not true, to put it bluntly. The other challenge we have is there's many Christians who in their own way have adopted that mindset. I mean, I I think there's Christians who have this mindset that says, you know what, if I do what God's called me to do and I love other people and I go to church and I'm generous and and I obey the Bible, that in turn God's going to be sure that nothing bad ever happens to me. That if I simply obey God and worship Him and love people and do all these things that I'm told that I need to do, then God's going to keep any pain from my life and any heartache from my life and any tragedy from my life. And what happens then, I think we all understand that that's not reality, right? That's not true. But what happens is when people have this mindset or when we present Christianity in this way, what ends up happening is that when the trials come and the tragedies come, people's worlds are shaken, it kind of rocks them. And maybe you've been in a situation like that to where you, in your mind you're saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? I mean, God, I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm obeying you. I'm being faithful to you. I'm attending church. I'm loving people. I'm generous. I help other people in need. But God, I do all of these things, and then you allow this into my life. God, that's not how it's supposed to work. And when we have that kind of mindset in our way, we are believing in our own version of Christian karma. We're basically saying, if I do all these things, then everything's going to turn out right. I I want us to understand this morning that being a Christian is no guarantee that you will have an easy life. 
being a Christian is no guarantee that you're going to not experience tragedy. Being a Christian is no guarantee that you are not going to face suffering and persecution and ridicule. So what I want us to do this morning is see the reality of following Jesus. If we have a wrong idea about what it means to follow Jesus, then when it comes time to actually follow Jesus and we start seeing that reality that's unexpected, then our worlds are shaken. I want us to avoid the concept of Christian karma, and we're not in any way suggesting that everything in the Christian life is bad. We know that there's joy in the Christian life, but I want us to get an actual correct perception of this. I want to give you three points. Somebody asked me this morning, since we only have three points, does that mean it's going to be a short message? I said, absolutely not. Here's number one. Following Jesus can lead to suffering. We've got to grasp this. We have to understand this. Following Jesus can, it might, it may lead to suffering. It is possible for you to be a dedicated, committed follower of Jesus Christ. And in that commitment to Jesus Christ, doing what you believe God wants you to do, you can experience heartache. You can experience suffering. You can go through difficulties and you can go through trials. I mean, the idea that the Christian life is this rosy parade all the time is completely misleading. In fact, I want you to flip with me over, you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. This is an amazing chapter. Many times we read through this. It's going through the heroes of the faith and all that they accomplished and all the victories that they had. And we read, and but we usually stop reading too soon. I mean, we read, for instance, verse 32 that, um, or verse 33, who by faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lion, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead. They were raised to life again. We stop right there. That sounds like a great life, doesn't it? Shut the mouths of lion and caused armies to go running and seen dead people raised to life. This sounds like the wonderful Christian life we've all been dreaming of, but we have to keep reading. We keep reading in verse 35. Some men were tortured not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourging as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Does that sound like a nice life? Being sawn in two and stoned and wandering in the, in the mountains and having to stay in caves out of fear for your life. These were men of faith, women of faith, who experienced that at times following Jesus can lead to suffering. But in our text in Acts chapter 5, if you'll flip back over there, Jason read this to us. I want you to imagine this scenario. Peter and John have been preaching as God commanded them to preach. They are arrested. They are thrown in prison. In the middle of the night, an angel comes, releases them from prison, commands them, go again to the temple and preach. They go to the temple and preach. The guards come the next morning to find Peter and John, only they don't find them. The jail is locked. The guards are there, but the prisoners are gone. Someone comes in and says, they're preaching in the temple again. They go and arrest them, bring them in, threaten them. If you skip all the way down to verse 40, you see that they are they're tortured, basically. They are beaten. They're flogged. You say, 
Why? I mean, they're simply doing what God called them to do. Verse 17 and 18, you see that they're filled with jealousy, so they arrested the apostles. You see in verse 26 that they bring them. They're, they're afraid that the people might stone them. They're, so these Peter and John, they're, they're popular, so to speak, but yet they're still arrested. You see in verse 33 that they're enraged and they want Peter and John dead. Verse 40, you see that they bring them in and they flog them. I mean, this is the pattern in the New Testament. Following Jesus can lead to suffering. Following Jesus can lead to persecution, but I want us to understand why. I mean, we see it here in our text, and this may be something that you want to write down, but in the New Testament, persecution follows proclamation. You have proclamation of truth, then following that proclamation, you have persecution. And that is very important for us to understand, because sometimes we can think, well, why were they put to death? I mean, why were some of these apostles put to death? Why were they tortured? Why did they endure suffering? Why were they persecuted? Understand something. It was not simply because they were good people trying to live a good life and love everyone. I mean, if they were simply going around in their community and loving everyone, there would have been no reason to put them to death. I mean, 11 of the 12 original apostles died torturous, painful, martyrs' death. Thomas was filleted alive. They were crucified. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were, had spears thrown through them. Some of them were drugged through the streets until dead. They died torturous lives. Why? Because they loved everyone? No, they specifically proclaimed Christ. What leads to persecution is proclamation. All throughout the New Testament, they proclaimed Christ, they shared Christ, they communicated that Jesus is God, that He is the only way of salvation, that He is to be the Lord and the ruler of your life, that He is God and He alone is to be worshipped and He alone is to be served. And it is that message of Christ that was proclaimed, that was communicated, that directly led to their persecution. But what we also have to understand is the faithful Christian life that God has called us to live is a life that proclaims Christ. I mean, one half of the Christian life definitely is demonstrating love and adding value and communicating and helping and and strengthening people and making a difference in the community. That's one half of it. But if we simply love everyone, but we do not communicate Christ, we are neglecting them of the one thing they need most, a relationship with Christ and salvation. See, the Christian life that God has called you to live and the Christian life that God has called me to live is a life, yes, that loves, but is also a life that proclaims. And when we proclaim Christ, there is danger of suffering and persecution, opposition and ridicule because of that proclamation. You say, why? Why why do we suffer persecution? Why do we suffer ridicule? A couple possible answers. Sometimes we suffer because we sin, right? Sometimes just consequences for bad decisions. Sometimes we suffer because when we stand with Christ and people oppose Christ, then they naturally oppose us. And then sometimes we suffer because that suffering is an opportunity to glorify God. It's an opportunity in our pain and in our suffering and in our tragedy to show that the gospel changes us. I mean, if the only time we can worship God and praise God is when things are going exactly the way we want, what makes us any different than anyone else? What makes Christians different 
from unbelievers is the ability in the midst of trials, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of tragedy, to stand up and still worship God, to still praise God, because we understand that nothing that happens on this earth can separate us from the love of God. Sickness cannot separate you from the love of God. Death cannot separate you from the love of God. Tragedy cannot separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So no matter what happens to you in this life, you can still praise and you can still worship even when you are being persecuted. Why? Because you know that nothing can change your eternal destiny. And when you praise and you worship in the midst of pain and in the midst of suffering, in the midst of tragedy, you are communicating to a world that the gospel has transformed me. I am different because of what Christ has done and I can sing when there is pain. And I can worship when there is tragedy. And I can look to a brighter tomorrow because we know God is indeed faithful, just as we sang about this morning. Following Jesus can lead to suffering. I read this week about a couple of missionaries, the Judsons, Adoniram and Ann Judson. Y'all ever heard of them? Any of you? A few of you have? Thirteen days after they were married, they set sail for India. Thirteen days, just, just married, set sail to India. They get there, they realize that they're, in, in, they're energetic and their passion about communicating the gospel is not well received. And so they, they leave and they go to Mauritius for a little while. They go to Burma for a little while, still doing what God has called them to do. Both of them completely convinced that what God had called them to do is spread the message of the gospel to see people saved. They took the Great Commission seriously and personally was doing, were doing all they could to fulfill that. The problem was that this optimism about their mission's endeavors ended up not being exactly reality. Over time, Ann Judson suffered from smallpox and spinal meningitis. She buried one of her children saw her husband imprisoned for over two years where he was sick the majority of the time. Yet during that time, she translated the Gospel of Matthew into Burmese. As soon as her husband was released, her and one of her newborn children died. And so Adoniram fell into this deep depression. In fact, he considered suicide. And for a period of time, he was wondering, God, why are you letting this happen? Over the course of his life, he was married three times and he outlived all three of his wives. He buried multiple of his, several of his children, was imprisoned. When all this is going on, he falls into the kind of this period of depression saying, God, why is this happening? God, why are you allowing this into my life? God, I'm doing what you've called me to do. I'm striving to be faithful to you. I'm communicating the gospel message to those who need it. God, people are being saved. Why are you allowing tragedy into my life? God, why are you allowing suffering into my life? Why, why am I in prison and being persecuted because of what I am doing? And what he learned over the remainder of his life was that it was through that persecution and it was through that suffering that God used his witness in the middle of that to bring many, many people to Christ. In fact, at the time of his death, the church that he started, the churches in Burma, were running over 7,000 people. He was the first missionary. He opened the doors to many more missionaries coming to this region of the world, but it did not exclude suffering. His faithfulness to God and his commitment to doing what God called him to do and his commitment to proclaiming truth to those who needed truth brought about persecution and it brought about suffering, but it also led to people knowing Christ. 
So I wonder, are you willing to endure persecution for Christ? And I mean, that's a hard question, right? Let's not pretend that this is just some easy question. I mean, you, you, you read of Coptic Christians in Egypt who were lined up on the beach and beheaded simply because of their faith. And I read a story about one, and I'll tell more of this story at a later date, but one had only been a believer for one day. One day, they march him out on the beach, kneel him down, and all they have to do to be spared is to renounce the name of Christ. And only after being a believer for one day, he says, no, Jesus is my Lord and my God. And they executed him. Are you willing to endure persecution for Christ? What about ridicule? Are you willing to endure ridicule for Christ? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? One of the dangers sometimes is that we hear about this suffering and this persecution, and we ignore this other part of it that we we can't ignore. Let me give you number two. Following Jesus leads to joy in the midst of suffering. Following Jesus leads to joy in the midst of suffering. Look at verse 41. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin. Notice this, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on behalf of the name, the name of Jesus. Now, picture this. In verse 40, they're brought in and they're severely beaten. They're flogged. Then they are released, commanded, no longer preach in the name of Jesus. And if you do, this will happen again, possibly worse. And what we're going to see in a few weeks in Acts chapter 6 and 7, Stephen is stoned to death simply because of his faith. So they mean business. So if you would have been them and you had just been severely beaten and flogged and then you were let go, how many of you would be rejoicing? Now notice they were not rejoicing because they had been let go. They were not rejoicing that the beating was over and now they could go on and live their stress-free life. They were rejoicing, you notice why, specifically because they were counted worthy to be dishonored for the name of Jesus. They were looking and saying, you know what, we are living the life that God has called us to live and we are proclaiming Christ and people are responding and people are being saved and those who oppose Christ are so threatened by this that they feel they have to persecute us and we should be joyful in their minds. We should be joyful that we are having to endure this because of Christ. They said, we are the lucky ones. Isn't that crazy? Y'all don't think that's crazy? I mean, doesn't that seem a little odd? I mean, why, why would people be so willing to endure persecution? Well, it's because in the midst of that persecution, there can also be joy. There can also be peace. There can also be this presence of God that is with you in the middle of that suffering. See, they had this perspective. And listen, we've talked about this before, but we have to, if if we're going to make an eternal impact, we have to live with an eternal perspective. You say, what does that mean? 
It means that when we are facing suffering and when we are facing ridicule and opposition and persecution because of our faith, that we have a perspective that understands it's not all about the here and now, that there is something at stake. We are committed to the spread of the gospel. We are committed to the mission that God has given us. We understand that in the midst of suffering, God can use that suffering to further his kingdom. We understand that it is not just about us and what we are feeling and what we are facing and what is affecting us. There there is something else at stake, and that is eternity. I want you to see this. Flip a few pages over, if you will, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. If you're normally here on Wednesday evenings, a few weeks ago I highlighted these verses, but I want us all to see them. You've got to understand a couple things about Philippians before I read these verses. First thing you've got to understand about Philippians is the theme of Philippians is joy. Joy is mentioned more than just about anything else throughout the book of Philippians. Second thing you have to understand about the book of Philippians is that Paul is in prison when he is writing this. And this prison is not just this prison like today. Their, their hands, they're, they're in a dungeon many times, wet, damp, no lights, no facilities. They're chained to a wall. Their hands are chained to a wall. Their feet are, feet are chained to the wall across from them. The only way they eat is if family or friends bring food to them. Some food is not provided. Day in, day out, they're sitting there at night. They're sitting there chained in this cold, dark, lonely, wet, damp. Many of them actually died of sickness from being in there. So that's the circumstances. Now notice verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. Do you see what he's saying? He said, I am in prison. And I am suffering, and I am persecuted, and I've been beaten. If you know the surrounding, he was beaten. I'm going through all of this, but he said, don't miss the, the, the perspective. The gospel is advancing. And everyone knows that I am here because of the cause of Christ. See, many times if we're in that type of situation and the suffering comes and the persecution comes, we're so focused on ourselves and our mind says, how can I alleviate this pressure and how can I get out of this and how can my life be easier? And Paul says, no, I am in the midst of this and I welcome this because the gospel is advancing. The mission is furthering so that the whole imperial guard, everyone knows this is for the sake of Christ. He said, people are coming to faith in Christ because of my imprisonment. What would happen if you and I had the perception and the perspective that said, when I endure suffering and persecution and ridicule because of my faith, it is because the gospel is advancing. More people are going to know about Christ because of what I am facing. In the, later in the summer and the fall, Dana is going to share her testimony And I've hinted at a few things before, but when she was a teenager, she had leukemia. She went through two years of chemo. But one of the things that she'll tell you and her parents will tell you is that in the midst of that, that suffering, dozens, if not hundreds of doors were open to share Christ. Suffering opens the door to point people to Christ. See, in a world and in a country that says Pursue the easy life. In a country, in a, in a culture that says, do what is easiest. In a culture that says, have it your way. In a culture that says, take no risks. Jesus comes to you and he says, risk it all for the kingdom. 
Lay it all out for the kingdom. Give it all for the kingdom. Lay down your life for the gospel. And in a culture that says, take no risk and pursue the easy path, Jesus says, risk it all. And yes, when you risk it all, there may be suffering and there may be persecution. There may be difficulties that come as a result of that. But you have to have the perspective that says, I am willing to endure this. And I will endure this with joy because the gospel is advancing and more people are learning about Jesus. Let me give you number three and then we'll wrap up. Following Jesus requires obedience to God. Following Jesus requires obedience to God. This obedience that we see from Peter and John is a commitment to continue proclaiming Jesus. Now remember, proclamation leads to persecution. So they understand this, they've endured this, but they're willing to do this. Notice verse 20 and 21. They're in the temple complex, they're being questioned. In the, in the overall context, the angel comes into them and says, go to the temple and continue preaching Jesus. And notice verse 21, in obedience, there's our key word, in obedience to this, they entered the temple complex at daybreak and began to teach. It's public. Notice verse, 30, 30, excuse me, verse 25, this is public. People around them see this. They're now brought in again before the, the leaders, the government leaders, so to speak, and Verse 29, they respond, we must obey God rather than men. You skip down to verse 32, again, you see this commitment to obey. Here's something we cannot miss. Their obedience to God moved them outside of their comfort zone, right? I mean, you think they woke up that morning saying, I sure hope we get flogged today. No. It's not what they preferred. It's not what they wanted. That beating, that flogging was not within the, the confines of what they enjoyed. It was not in the confines of their comfort zone. Their obedience to God and their pursuit of the mission and their pursuit of the Great Commission, accomplishing that, moved them outside of their comfort zone. It moved them beyond their preferences, but beyond what they were hoping would happen. Peter and John were people who had been in the church the longest. They were the people who knew the words of Christ best. They were the most spiritually mature. They had, again, been, in, been members of this church the longest, helped found this church. But they were the ones who were most willing to step outside of their comfort zone and endure things that contradicted their preferences so that the mission could be pursued. The, the ones who are closest to God, the ones who had been in the church the longest, the ones who were the most spiritually mature said, there is something at risk, and it is eternity and people who do not know Christ. And so that the mission can advance and so that people can hear about Jesus, we will step outside of our comfort zone, and we will be the first to champion the cause of let's do what we have to do to pursue the mission so that people can be saved. See, the, one of the main hindrances, I believe... To us accomplishing the mission that God has given us, and one of the main hindrances, I believe, to seeing countless people saved in a community transformed by the gospel, one of the main hindrances to that is not oppression and persecution on the outside of the church. The main hindrance to that is our commitment to comfort on the inside of the church. Think about it. The main thing that will keep us from being the church that God has called us to be and doing what God has called us to do is not any outside pressures. The thing that will keep us from seeing people saved is our commitment to our own comfort. 
our own convenience, our own preferences, if we are not willing to step outside of our comfort zone, how can we expect the mission to be accomplished? Listen, if we simply drift, the mission will not be accomplished. It has to be aggressively pursued. And yes, when we pursue that, there are times where persecution will come into our lives. And yes, we will be ridiculed. And yes, we may even suffer because of Christ. But what we have to understand is we welcome that and we willingly step outside of our, perse- outside of our comfort zone. And we welcome the persecution, so to speak, because we understand that it furthers the kingdom of God. I mean, have you ever wondered why after we are saved, God just doesn't take us straight to heaven? Am I the only one, if I'm, am I the only one that's ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, why, why when we're saved, does God leave us on this earth? I mean, if, if, he, if we're here to have a relationship with him and we have that relationship with him, why not just take us on to heaven to where we're going to have that relationship perfectly? Why leave us here? There's something he wants us to do. And it's pretty specific. He has left us here so that we can tell other people about what he God has done for us through Christ so that more people can know him. So I'm afraid what happens, though, is even though we know that in our heads, we are more committed to our comfort and what is easy, and so we neglect it. I was reading a book last week on marriage. I'm speaking at a family and marriage conference in September, and so I've started doing a little reading for it. And this book I was reading was authored by a husband and a wife. They co-authored this book. And one of the things in one of the chapters, and I forget exactly what the chapter was about, but they they start writing, and, and the wife says, I don't want to stand before God one day and have to give an account for why I have hindered my husband from being all God has called him to be. And then he writes, and a couple paragraphs later, I don't want to stand before God one day and have to give an account for why I have hindered spiritual growth in my wife. And again, this is understanding of marriage in light of eternity and marriage in light of the gospel. But here's something I wonder. I wonder how many Christians across our country one day will stand before God and have to give an account for why they have hindered the church from pursuing its mission. I mean, I wonder how many people one day will have to stand before God and explain why they clung to their comfort instead of pursuing sharing Christ. I wonder how many people will have to stand before God one day and explain why they hindered the church from being the church all so that they could remain in their comfort zone. I wonder how many people one day will have to stand before God and give an account for why they did not help the church pursue the mission of telling other people about Jesus all in the name of clinging to their preferences. I mean, that's the easy thing to do. What is hard is stepping outside of our comfort zone and saying, listen, we are surrounded by people who need Jesus. Let's do all we can to communicate Jesus. Let's let's do what we have to do to pursue this mission so that the mission of the church can be advanced. Let's step outside our comfort zone and understand that when we do, yes, persecution may come. But we also understand that there can be joy in the midst of persecution because we understand this eternal perspective that says we are doing this to further the kingdom of God. And then we understand that, listen, like Peter and John, we're going to have to decide, who are we going to obey? 
twice in this text and multiple times throughout the book of Acts, they say it is better to obey God than men. So here's the challenge this morning. Are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone and say the mission comes first? Are you willing this morning to step outside of your preferences and say leading people to Jesus comes first? Are you this morning willing to say, I am willing to endure persecution so that people can know Jesus? That's why we're here. That's why God left us on this earth. And that's one day what we will give an account to God for. See, some of you this morning, you need to commit and say, I will step out and proclaim Christ so that more people know Him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.